0: hello and welcome to the for we Are many podcast today we're going to be talking about the german revolutions of 1848-1849 uh, we're going to be talking about why they happened how they happened and what they resulted in. Um, we are on all major podcast platforms we are on facebook uh, we are on youtube we are on instagram we are on twitter uh, at for we are many too on twitter at for we are many podcast on instagram and tiktok for we are many podcast on youtube and for we are many on facebook also make sure to check out our for we are many uh education and discussion group um it's exactly what it sounds like but we talk about a little bit of everything um, and we try to have discussions uh to grow our views um, anyway uh patreon.com for we are many dot wow patreon.com slash for we are many uh every dollar helps we're trying to you know bring on new guests we're trying to cover new topics we're trying to grow um yeah i i think that's all i got so i'm gonna start with um a marxist.com that's in defense of marxism Um, They did an analysis on the 1848 revolutions and i'm kind of going to be jumping between that uh, the wikipedia page um and a an academic um, piece on the revolution of 1848 Um, and we're also briefly going to talk on the book by engels Uh, with Marx, edited by Eleanor Marx, uh, Revolution and Counter-Revolution in Germany. It was published uh, in 1851, with the editing of Eleanor Marx being released in 1896. Um, But it wasn't until 1913 that Engels' authorship was publicly known, because it was incorrectly listed with Marx as the author. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get to all that, uh, starting with the in-defense-of-Marxism analysis of the 1848 revolutions. They called it the hoped-for prelude to the proletarian revolution. The year 1848 is turning out well, wrote Engels, but by this glorious revolution, the French proletariat has again placed itself at the head of Euro, uh, of the European movement. All honor to the workers of Paris. That revolution spread across the entirety of Europe, marking an important development in the class struggle. A spectre is haunting co- uh, Europe, the spectre of communism, wrote Marx and Engels in the opening passage of the Communist Manifesto. All powers of old Europe have entered into a holy alliance to exercise this spectre. Pope and Tsar Metternich and Guizot, French radicals and German police spies. Pathetically, on the day of the manifesto's publication in London, Europe was ablaze with revolution. Uh, Just going to interject here to say that in the near future, we will be doing finally uh, a piece or a two part maybe on the Communist Manifesto. Um, It's a short book if you haven't read it. We'll be doing that soon. If you want to be involved with that, contact the page. Anyway, uh, King Louis-Philippe of France abdicated immediately. Guizot, the French Prime Minister, was dismissed, and Prince Metternich of Austria fell within, all within a few weeks. Marx and Engels hoped that the revolution would only serve as the immediate prelude to the proletarian revolution. They immediately hailed the revolution, which first broke out on France, the 24th, February 1848. That first quote um, was, uh... sorry, (laughs) that first quote was already uh, read, but there's another one from uh, Marx. Our age, the age of democracy is breaking the flames of the tuileries tuileries i don't know and the palace i'm assuming it's the royal palace are the dawn of the proletariat everywhere the rule of the bourgeoisie will now come crashing down or be dashed to pieces in other words marx thought that in 1848 they were on the cusp of this proletarian revolution uh, on a global scale like we're talking about still hasn't happened After a prolonged period of uh, reaction with the defeat of the 1830 revolutions, the revolutionary masses of Paris, guns and red flags in hands, took to the street, uh, built barricades, drove out the monarchy, and forced the provisional government to declare a republic. The worker Guibert burst into the chamber brandishing a pistol, bringing the debate to an abrupt end with the words, no more deputies, we are the masters. Uh, it was the workers and the lower middle class that propelled the revolution forward. The bourgeoisie who would eventually gain from the revolution had not expected or wanted such an outcome. We wanted to climb from step to step, said one, but we were forced to leap over a whole flight of stairs. Above all, the bourgeoisie feared the working class. We pushed uh, forward their independent class demands. The right to work, a minimum wage, shorter hours, pensions for the disabled, creation of workshops, compulsory universal education, universal suffrage, progressive taxation, and other working-class demands. Uh, In turn, the working class did not trust the the bourgeoisie deputies who wanted an accommodation with the monarchy. As a result, on the walls of Paris, revolutionary uh, posters urged the masses, let us keep our arms. The new bourgeois republican administration was forced to bring in two socialists into the government, one of whom was Louis Blanc, a popular workers leader. His role, however, became that of class conciliators struggling to keep the revolutionary movement within acceptable legal limits. Under the pressure from the radical masses, some reforms were introduced, including the establishment of national workshops. In effect, poor law uh, relief for the unemployed. The elections to the Constituent Assembly were held in late April and recorded big gains for the bourgeois parties, largely due to the support of the conservative peasantry, which made up 84% of the new electorate. The new government failed to address the plight of the workers and attempted to undermine the revolution by attacking the workers' leaders, particularly Blanqui and Cabay, as communists. (coughs) Trust in the bourgeois government melted away, it was becoming obvious that growing frustration was preparing a new showdown. The government's announced closure of the national workshops in Paris was the last straw. The February Revolution raised the problem of property and labor, stated the revolutionary Paul Louis de This problem must be solved. However, the government was making its own plans to teach their workers a lesson by sending them to the School of General Kavignac, I probably butchered that, who was brought back from butchering the peoples of Algiers, a faithful servant of the counter revolution. On June 21st, a decree was promoted abolishing the national workshops. That day, the workers of Paris arose again and threw up barricades throughout the capital. Flags were raised with the inscriptions Bread or Death and Worker Death. It was purely It was a purely workers' uprising, devoid of the carnival atmosphere of the February Revolution. The insurrection is growing to the greatest revolution that has ever taken place, wrote Marx, into a revolution of the proletariat against the bourgeoisie. And I want to interject here to say that had things continued on that path, had these concessions from the capitalists not been made, which were later overturned, That's exactly what would have happened. What I think that Marx initially uh, didn't get was how adaptable capitalism could be, Um, which he he touched on in his later writings, and obviously other Marxists have touched on it further and further. Uh, Anyway, the fighting was ferocious. The bourgeois counter-revolution gave no quarter. The workers were shot down like wild beasts. The bourgeoisie, fully conscious of what it is doing, conducts a war of extermination against them, wrote Marx. He went on to quote a captain of the Republican Guard describing the events on the 23rd and 24th of June. The cannon replied, and until nine o'clock, windows and bricks were shattered by the thunder of artillery. The firing was terrible. Blood flowed in streams, while at the same time, a tremendous thunderstorm was raging. The cobblestones were red with blood, as far as one could see. The number of dead is immense, and the number of injured is much greater still. Um, The workers, on the other hand, fought for four solid days with unequaled bravery. The courage with which the workers have fought is truly marvelous, wrote Marx. Uh, For three days, 30,000 to 40,000 workers were able to hold their own. Against more than 80,000 soldiers and 100 men of the uh, 100,000 men of the National Guard, against grape shot, shells, incendiary rockets, and the glorious war experiences of generals who did not shrink from using these methods, employed in Algeria, they have been crushed and, in large part, massacred. Their dead will not be accorded an honor that was bestowed upon the, Jedi, upon the dead of July and February. History, however, will assign an entirely different place to them, the martyrs of the first decisive battle of the proletariat. After almost a week of battles and street fighting, the full might of the state was used to crush the movement in blood. A frenzy of shootings and torture were on the order of the day. Some 15,000 were killed and wounded during the movement and, During an a- Okay, I fucked up. A frenzy of shootings and torture were on the order of the day. Some 15,000 were killed and wounded during and after the uprising. The ruling class exacted its revenge for the independent movement of the French workers. The workers' demand contained a threat to the existing order of society. The workers who put it forward were still armed. Therefore, the disarming of the workers was the first commandment for the bourgeois who were at the helm of the state, according to Ingalls. The revolutions of 1848 were essentially bourgeois democratic and the tasks they attempted to solve. Their fundamental aspect was the destruction of the old feudal structures and the creation of an independent nation-state. While Marx and Engels hoped that this bourgeois revolution would be the immediate prelude to the proletarian revolution, given the weakness of the Communist League, they had no alternative but to form in Germany the extreme proletarian wing of the democratic movement. Its aim was to destroy absolutism and to unity, unify, sorry, the backward states into one democratic republic. (laughs) This could only be brought about by revolutionary means. There was a daily paper that was edited by Marx it was the organ of the of the democratic revolution but as Engels wrote of a uh, of quote a democracy which everywhere emphasized in every point of the specific proletarian character end quote the paper which had widespread support became the true headquarters of the militant proletariat the leading center of the communist league Not only did Marx and Engels fight for national independence for the oppressed nationalities, but put forward a genuinely internationalist approach. There were other nations approached by uh, reactionary German states, such as the Poles in Prussia, the Italians, Czechs, and others in Austria, as well as Russian Tsarism. At this time, Tsarism was the most counter-revolutionary force in Europe, the same way that American imperialism is on a world stage today. Marx and Engels sharply criticized the cowardly bourgeois leaders for failing to support the struggles of oppressed nations such as the Poles, Czechs, Hungarians, and Italians against Prussian and Austrian despotism. The leadership of the revolution will fall to the working class. Quote, not the cowardly German burghers, but the German workers. They will rise up, put an end to the whole filthy muddled official German rule and with a radical revolution restore the honor of Germany," explained Engels. Quote, "'Germany will liberate herself to the extent to which she sets free neighboring nations.'" Revolution broke out in Germany on the 18th of March with fighting in nearly every town and barricades erected in Berlin and Vienna. The people won a series of democratic rights, but control passed into the hands of the big bourgeoisie, which quickly betrayed the struggle. It was out of these experiences that Marx and Engels were to raise the idea of permanent revolution. The bourgeoisie were more afraid of the working class than the forces of feudal despotism. They were to play an increasingly counter-revolutionary role. They were incapable of bringing out genuine national unification as history proved. Marx and Engels put their confidence in the working class. They believed that a successful bourgeois democratic revolution under the leadership of the world, or of the workers, sorry, would become the prologue of the proletarian revolution and the transformation of Europe. Quote, before reaction can be destroyed in Italy and Germany, it must be routed in France, explained Engels. A democratic social republic must first be proclaimed in France, and the French proletariat must first subjugate its bourgeoisie before a lasting victory of democracy is conceivable in Italy, German, uh, Germany, Poland, Hungary, and other countries. Marx agreed, saying, quote, the Hungarians shall not be free, nor the Poles, nor the Italians, as long as the worker remains a slave. The defeat of the 1848 revolutions removed any threat of proletarian revolution. The forces of capitalism were still maturing, It took a a further 23 years before the glorious Paris Commune, the first worker state in history, uh, the first dictatorship of the proletariat in history, would would place proletarian revolution once again on the agenda of the European continent. Um, So I I think that's a good analysis. I don't really disagree with anything they said. Um, Once again, that was from marxist.com. Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Wikipedia, which is kind of the more bourgeois side of it, uh, to be totally honest. But they talk about the uh, kind of back-and-forth revolution, counter-revolution thing that was going on. The revolutions of 1848, known in some countries as springtime of the peoples, or the springtime of nations, were a series of political upheavals throughout Europe in 1848. It it remains the most widespread revolutionary wave in European history. The revolutions were essentially democratic and liberal in nature, with the aim of removing the old monarchical structures and creating independent nation states. The revolution spread across Europe after an initial uh, revolution began in France in February. Over 50 countries were affected, but with no significant coordination or cooperation among their respective revolutionaries. Some of the major contributing factors were widespread dissatisfaction with political leadership, demands for more participation in government and democracy, demands for freedom of the press. Other demands made by the working class, the upsurge of nationalism, the regrouping of established government forces, and the European potato failure, which triggered mass starvation, migration, and civil unrest. The uprisings were led by temporary coalitions of reformers, um, the middle classes, and workers. Uh, However, the coalitions did not hold together for long. Many of the revolutions were quickly suppressed. Tens of thousands of people were killed, and many more were forced into exile. Significant lasting reforms included the abolition of serfdom in Austria and Hungary, the end of absolute monarchy in Denmark, and the introduction of representative democracy in the Netherlands. The revolutions were more, or were most important in France, the Netherlands, Italy, the Austrian Empire, and the states of the German Confederation that would make up the German Empire in the late 19th and early 20th century. So um, that's kind of a a brief overview. We're gonna dive into origins next. Um, Because it's important to figure out what set off this wildfire revolution. Um, The revolutions arose from such a wide variety of causes that it is difficult to view them as resulting from a coherent movement or a set of social phenomena. In other words, it was spontaneous. Um, Numerous changes had been taking place in European society throughout the first half of the 19th century. Both uh, liberal reformers and radical politicians were reshaping national governments. Technological change was revolutionizing the life of the working classes. A popular press extended political awareness and new values and ideas such as popular liberalism nationalism and socialism began to emerge uh, some historians emphasize the serious crop failures particularly those of 1846 that produced hardship among peasants and the working urban poor large swaths the nobility were discontented with royal absolutism or near absolutism in 1846 there had been an uprising of polish nobility in austrian galicia which was only countered when peasants in turn rose up against the nobles Additionally, an uprising by democratic forces against Prussia, planned but not actually carried out, occurred in greater Poland. The middle and working classes thus shared a desire for reform and agreed on many of the specific aims. Their participation in the revolutions, however, differed. While much of the impetus came from the middle classes, much of the cannon fodder came from the lower classes, the revolts first erupted in the cities. Uh, The population in French rural areas had risen rapidly, rapidly, causing many peasants to seek a life living in the cities. Many in the bourgeoisie feared and distanced themselves from the working poor. Uh, We still see that today in America, just to point that out. Uh, Many unskilled laborers toiled from 12 to 15 hours per day when they had work living in squalid, disease-ridden slums. Traditional artisans felt the pressure of industrialization having lost their guilds. Revolutionaries such as Karl Marx built up the followings. Uh, The liberalization of trade laws and growth of factories had increased the gulf between master tradesmen and journeymen and apprentices, whose numbers increased disproportionately by 93% between 1815 and 1848 in Germany significant proletarian unrest had occurred in lyon in 1831 and 1834 and prague in 1844. jonathan sperber has suggested that in the period after 1825 uh, poorer urban workers particularly day laborers factory workers and artisans saw their purchasing power decline steeply urban meat consumption in belgium france and germany stagnated or declined after 1830, despite growing populations, uh, the economic panic of 1847 increased urban un- unemployment. Ten thousand Viena- uh, VNS— is that how you say it? I must say Vietnamese. I know that's wrong. Uh, Ten thousand VNS factory workers were made redundant, and 128 Hamburg firms went bankrupt over the course of 1847. With the exception of the Netherlands, there was a strong correlation among the countries that were most deeply affected by the industrial shock of 1847 and those that underwent a revolution in 1848. The situation in the German states was similar. Parts of Prussia were beginning to industrialize. Uh, During the decades of the 1840s, mechanized production in the textile industry brought about inexpensive clothing that undercut the handmade products of German tailors. Uh, Reforms ameliorated the most unpopular features of rural feudalism, but industrial workers remained dissatisfied with these reforms and pressed for greater change. Pressed for greater change. Urban workers had no choice but to spend half of their income on food, which mostly consisted of bread and potatoes. As a result of harvest failures, food prices soared, And the the demand for manufactured goods decreased causing an increase in unemployment during the revolution to address the problems of unemployment workshops were organized for men interested in construction work officials also set up workshops for women when they felt they were being excluded or yeah when they felt they were excluded artisans and unemployed workers destroyed industrial machines when they threatened to give uh, employers more power over them So I'm gonna like sprinkle this um, this um, I don't know if it's a research paper I think it's too small to be a dissertation but I'm gonna sprinkle some uh, in it or some things from it rather um, into the uh, its place in the story uh, from the Wikipedia article but. The revolution of 1848 in Germany was a critical subject to historians from the German Democratic Republic. As communists, they wanted to analyze the revolution to make good the claims of the republic to uh, represent the revolutionary will of the German people. This aim caused them to limit their investigation to answering three major questions about the revolt. The first concern the connection between political behavior and social struggles, recognizing that Germany was a society inexorably progressing from feudalism to capitalism to socialism in 1848. uh, They sought to show the emerging conflict of interest of the bourgeois and proletariat classes. Their second major question dealt with the experience of the working classes. This matter drew their attention to workers' goals, organizations, leaders, and to the impact of Marx and Engels, who both participated in and wrote about the revolt. Their third priority was to verify the profound impact of a democratic democratic revolutionary movement upon the German people in 1848, which created its revolutionary traditions. Uh, GDR uh, historians cogently explain the initial success of the revolution in 1848 by showing how various factors produced an alliance uh, between the bourgeoisie and the workers. Uh, Long-term developments caused by uh, the impact of capitalism had created a revolutionary situation in Germany by 1847. The source of acute tension was a power struggle between an industrial bourgeoisie frustrated over uh, anachronistic fetters imposed upon the expansion of capitalism and the half the half-feudal nobility and absolute monarchies which refused to relinquish, relinquish their authority. To alter political structures, however, the bourgeoisie needed the populace to resist the government. Suddenly, a successful revolution in France provided the impetus. The establishment of a French Republic by workers and bourgeoisie in February of 1848 encouraged Uh, German students, peasants, craftsmen, craftsmen, and workers to take to the streets and revolt against their governments in early March. When monarchs feared for the loss of their thrones and the industrial bourgeoisie linked their aspirations with those of the revolutionists in the streets, Germans obtained a new pattern of politics by the end of March. The new order was seemingly based on popular demand for an expansion of civil liberties, representative government, universal suffrage, a centralized nation-state, and economic and social opportunity for the individual. Two GDR historians, therefore, the United Front of Workers and Bourgeoisie, had uh, enabled the German people to articulate its revolutionary will to establish a political democracy which promised to accelerate the capitalist restructuring of society. To be sure, Uh, These historians were aware of the tactical nature of this agreement. The contracting parties had not revealed their different, ultimate goals. The bourgeoisie wanted the economic benefits of capitalism and class rule over all society. The workers wanted to use bourgeois democracy to move on to the next stage of social democracy and popular or Republican government. So uh, talking about rural areas, you know, like the population growth that we already mentioned had led to food shortages, land pre- pressure, and migration both within and from Europe, especially to the Americas. Um, you know, these, we, we did a piece on collectivized immigration of the late uh, 1800s and early 1900s, and this is, this is the start of that. Um, Peasant discontent in the 1840s grew in intensity. Peasant occupations of lost communal land increased in many areas. Um, so, like, I, you know, look into the loss of the commons. It was, uh, it was a thing all over Europe uh, in that period, uh, basically to privatize what had been public land for hunting or farming or whatever. So look into the loss of the commons. We'll probably do a piece on that. Actually, I'm gonna write that down right now. All right. So, uh, peasant occupations of lost communal land increased in many areas. Those convicted of wood theft in the Rhenish, palatinate increased from 100,000 in 1829 and 30 to 185,000 in 1846 and 47. In the years 1845 and 46, a potato blight caused a substance crisis in northern Europe and encouraged the rating of manorial potato stocks in Silesia in 1847. The effects of the blight were most severely manifested in the Great Irish Famine. But also caused famine-like conditions in the Scottish Highlands and throughout continental Europe. Harvests of rye in the Rhineland were 20% of previous levels while the Czech potato harvest was reduced by half. These reduced harvests were accompanied by a steep rise in prices the cost of wheat more than doubled in France and, uh, and Italy. There were 400 French food riots during 1846 and 47 while German socioeconomic protests increased from 28 during 1830 to 1839 to 103 uh, from 1840 to 47. Central to long-term peasant grievances were the loss of communal lands, loss of the commons, uh, forest restrictions such as the French Forest Code of 1827, and remaining feudal structures, notably the Labor obligations that existed among the serfs and oppressed peasantry of the Hotsburg lands. Aristocratic wealth and corresponding power was synonymous with the ownership of farmlands and effective control over the peasants. Peasant grievances exploded during the revolutionary year of 1848, yet were often disconnected from urban revolutionary movements. The revolutionary Sandor toffees popular nationalistic rhetoric in budapest did not translate into any success of the peasantry while the vns democrat hans Kutlich reported that his efforts to galvanize the austrian peasantry had disappeared in the great sea of indifference and Phlegm. so um we're going to talk a little bit about the role of ideas um and I'll probably end up you know, interjecting a couple times through this, this section here. Uh, despite forceful and often violent efforts of established and reactionary powers to keep them down, disruptive ideas gained popularity, democracy, liberalism, radicalism, nationalism, and socialism. They demanded a constitution, universal manhood suffrage, press freedom, freedom uh, of expression, and other democratic rights the establishment of civilian militia liberation of peasants uh, liberalization of the economy abolition of tariff barriers and the abolition of monarch monarchical power uh, structures in favor of the establishment of republican states or at least the restriction of the prince power in the form of constitutional monarchy in the language of the 1840s, democracy meant replacing an electorate of property owners with universal male suffrage. Uh, liberalism fundamenta- uh, fundamentally meant consent of the govern, and restriction of church and state power, Republican government, freedom of the press, and the individual. Uh, the 1840s had seen the emergence of radical liberal publications uh, such as I can't pronounce that, Les Nationales and Les Reformes in France, uh, Grensbotten in Austria, Peste, Her Lap in Hungary, as well as the increased popularity of the older Morgan Bladet in Norway, and Aftenbladet, you probably butchered that in Sweden. Nationalism, believed in uniting people bound by some mix of common languages, culture, religion, shared history, and of course, immediate geography. Um, nationalism had developed a broader appeal during the pre-1848 period, uh, as seen in Frantisek Palacký's 1836, History of the Czech Nation, which emphasized the a national lineage of conflict with the Germans, or the popular patriotic Liederkranz song circles that were held across Germany. Patriotic and belligerent songs about Schleswig, had dominated the Würzburg National Song Festival in 1845. Socialism in the 1840s was a term without a consensus definition, meaning different things to different people, but was typically used within a context of more power for workers in a system based on worker ownership and means of production. Uh, these concepts together, democracy, liberalism, nationalism, and socialism, in the sense described above, came to be encapsulated in the political term, Radicalism. Uh, So, spring of 1848, uh, the world was astonished when revolutions appeared in so many places and seemed on the verge of success everywhere. Agitators who had been exiled by the old governments rushed home to seize the moment. In France, the monarchy was once again overthrown and replaced by a republic. In a number of major German and Italian states and in Austria, the old leaders were forced to grant liberal constitutions. The Italian and German states seemed to be rapidly forming the United Nations. Uh, Austria gave Hungarians and Czechs liberal grants of autonomy and national status. Uh, And then in the summer, there was bloody street battles in France between the middle class reformers and the working class radicals. German reformers argued endlessly without finalizing the results. Uh, Fall, the reactionaries started organizing for a counter-revolution. They were caught off guard at first, and the aristocracy and their allies plotted a return to power. Um, And that happened from 1849 to 1851 uh, the revolutions all suffered a series of defeats in the summer of 1849 the actionaries returned to power and many leaders of the revolution went into exile some social reforms proved permanent and years later nationalists in germany italy and hungary gained their objectives Um, so you know talking more specifically about germany The March Revolution in the German states took place in the south and west of Germany with large popular assemblies and mass demonstrations. Led by well-educated students and intellectuals, they demanded German national unity, freedom of the press, and freedom of assembly. The uprisings were poorly coordinated but had in common a rejection of traditional autocratic political structures in the 39 independent states of the German Confederation. The middle class and working class components of the revolution split and in the end the conservative uh, conservative aristocracy defeated it forcing many liberal 48ers into exile um maybe one day we'll go into further depth on some of these other european revolutions but um the german revolution is talked a lot about by Marx and and that's a big part of why we wanted to start there. Um, so most of what men and the the men in the revolutions of 1848 fought for was brought about within a quarter of a century. And the men who accomplished it were uh, most of them specific enemies of the 1848 movement. Uh, they ushered in a third French Republic, Bismarck United Germany, and Cavour, Italy. the Act won autonomy for Hungary with a dual monarchy, a Russian Tsar freed the serfs, and the British manufacturing classes moved toward the freedoms of the People's Charter. Uh, Democrats looked to 1848 as a democratic revolution, which in the long run ensured liberty, equality, and fraternity. For nationalists, 1848 was the springtime of hope, when newly emerging nationalities rejected the old multinational empires. But the end results were not as comprehensive as many had hoped. Many governments engaged in a partial reversal of the revolutionary reforms of 1848 and 49, as well as heightened repression and censorship. The Hanoverian nobility successfully appealed to the confederal Diet in 1851 over the loss of their uh, noble privileges, while the Prussian junkers, junkers Recovered their manorial pl- uh, police powers from 1852 to 55. Um, in France, the works of Le Drew Rollin, Hugo, Ballad- uh, Baudelaire, and Proven were confiscated. In the post-revolutionary decade after 1848, little had visibly changed, and many historians considered the revolutions a failure, given the seeming lack of permanent structural changes. More recently, Christopher Clark has characterized the period that followed 48 as one dominated by a revolution in government. Karl Marx expressed disappointment at the bourgeois character of the revolutions. Um, they were followed by new centrist coalitions dominated by liberals, nervous of the threat of working-class socialism. Although GDR historians have studied the outbreaks of revolution throughout Germany, they celebrated the events in Prussia where capitalist industry was concentrated in Germany as the epicenter of the revolutionary earthquake. Even their detailed narratives of the spring revolution in Prussia illustrated the democratic consequences of proletarian bourgeois cooperation. Readers of these accounts are left with an impression that it was the heroism of a 17-year-old journeyman apprentice locksmith Ernst who died at the barricades in the Friedrichstrasse on the 18th of March and whose corpse was set in front of the king on the 19th by the Berlin crowd, which persuaded the king to call off his troops and give in to the demands of the Prussian bourgeoisie for power and constitutional changes. GDR historians explain the defeat of the revolution by the disintegration of the union between the proletariat and bourgeoisie in Germany, which occurred from the summer of 1848 to the fall of 1849. At the same time, the democratic revolution moved from center stage back into the streets among increasingly powerless groups of activists until it ultimately found a home in the collective memory of the working class as its uh, self-proclaimed spokesman, Marx and Engels, Indicated in retrospective analyses of the, of the event. Against this background, GDR historians argued that the bourgeoisie bore primary responsibility for the breakup of the German workers. They insisted that the workers had remained faithful to democracy with the bitter end, but were weak, unorganized, and lacked the maturity to act effectively alone. The bourgeoisie, on the other hand, wavered in their support of democracy because they feared the working class more than the aristocracy. First the industrial bourgeoisie, then the petty bourgeoisie, found themselves supporting the forces of order. They manifested their disloyalty both directly and indirectly. The latter occurred when they favored such policies and positions as moderate constitutionalism, restricting suffrage, non-responsible executives, and limitations upon the powers of representative assemblies. The former occurred when their representatives actually authorized police constitutionalism, restricting suffrage sorry actually authorized police action against street demonstrators indeed accounts of several such incidents of what uh you know which happened in the summer of 1848 constitute in gdr history historiography um the major turning point in the defeat of the revolution Typically GDR historians effectively want this story of defeat into excellent narratives providing critical details to revel- uh, reveal their fe- thesis, oh my god, of class cl- conflict. The account of the June 1848 riots in Berlin is an excellent case in point. When a group of workers became aware of the prospect of a reactionary development resulting from delays experienced by the bourgeois leaders and moving Prussian government in a democratic direction, the workers decided to seize weapons from the armory. This prompted the bourgeois city government to order the police and militia to stop the attack and impose order. When these forces routed the workers, the repression of the demonstrators was condoned by citizens frightened by the prospect of armed workers. As a consequence of this action, the workers, helpless and disorganized, became antagonistic towards the bourgeoisie, while the latter, lacking thereafter a mass base, stood virtually defenseless in, uh, when in November the nobles and kings sought to regain their former authority. In surrendering their power, the bourgeoisie mainly, or merely gained some benefits for the stock exchange and assurances uh, for the safety of their property and their assessment of the final outcome of the revolution gdr historians concluded first of all that capitalism would continue to develop in germany and germany and nourish revolutionary thinking irrespective of the reactionary implications of the new bourgeois alliance with the aristocracy the second lesson of the revolution was that the working class had become more self-conscious as marx explained uh, henceforth it would rely upon itself and it would be the guardian of the revolutionary tradition of the German people. The third lesson of the revolution was the inability of the bourgeoisie to surmount their desire to dominate and exploit the proletariat, for the revolution had clearly demonstrated the existence of that central source of tension in a mature capitalist society, the conflict of interest between bourgeoisie and proletariat. Although GDR historians obviously can be criticized for their failure to fit these major theories to events and relate, uh, to relate class interests to political categories in the revolution, they never seriously quarreled among themselves about such matters, which struck at the heart of their interpretation of 1848. They did, however, argue about certain questions of detail. The problem of economic determinism came up concerning uh, the behavior of the bourgeoisie. How, one asked, could the bourgeoisie be blamed for acting in their own interests? Moreover, had not those em- economic interests promoted capitalism? Or were the bourgeoisie, in fact, moral cowards who had reacted timidly out of fear of the masses? Another problem they could not resolve concerned the be contradictory behavior of the masses. For example, the failure of the craftsmen to side with the workers uh, led to many questions about their status as workers or petty bourgeois. The realism of workers was also a contested issue. Such arguments, however heated, never caused them to question the reality of bourgeois class hatred of the proletariat. And thus, they produced, as early as the late 1960s, a well documented and coherent Marxist view of the revolution that became the orthodoxy which subsequent GDR historians needed to elaborate in order to please their government until its demise in 1990. Um, So, basically, um, this was a a dialectical relationship. This was a natural progression of events, and this is part of the reason that Marx grew to believe that a spontaneous revolution like that couldn't work, um, because it breeds counter-revolution. and for example, we saw the same thing in the 1960s. There was this huge outbreak of radical thinking and it was it was suppressed, it was repressed, it was pushed into the underground and it bred the era of reaction or neoliberalism that we live in today, no matter what country we live in, basically. Um, that's, that's my key takeaway from it. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the Engels and Marx book, Revolution and Counter-Revolution in Germany. Uh, early in 1851, Charles Dana, then an editor of the New York Daily Tribune, suggested to Karl Marx that he should contribute topical and historical writings to the newspaper. Dana was alerted to the possible availability of Marx by the suggestion of Ferdinand Frailograph and a former associate of Marx on the editorial staff of the Cologne, Cologne? newspaper, uh, New Reich, oh Jesus. I don't know how to pronounce that. But anyway, Marx was at the time engrossed in economic research and was unable to fill the commission. Um, but on eighteen or August 14th, 1851, uh, he wrote a letter asking his friend and co thinker Frederick Engels to produce a series of articles about Germany from 1848 onwards. Engels agreed with this plan, and over the next 13 months, he went on to produce 19 articles on the 1848 German Revolution for the New York Press. Marx was closely consulted during the writing of the material and read over each manuscript before sending it for publication. Even though written by Engels, these articles were published under the byline of Karl Marx under the series title Germany Revolution and Counter-Revolution. Articles were not additionally uh, titled but instead appeared under a Roman numeral. Individual titles were created in uh, 1896 by editor Eleanor Marx for the first edition of the material in the book form. Um, the articles ran from October 25th, 1851 to October 23rd, 1852. After appearing in the tri- uh, Tribune, the material was never published again in the lifetime of Marx and Engels with the exception of the first two pieces, which were reprinted in German translation um, in late, late in October, 1851. The Revolution and Counter-Revolution articles written by Engels were instrumental in establishing Marx with the Tribune and a journalistic relationship began, which was to continue for more than a decade. Marx began to himself write for the paper in August 1852 when he contributed an article on the the elections in England, writing first in German and making use of Engels and other friends to assist with the English translation. By January 1853, Marx was fluent enough in English to write for the Tribune without additional editorial assistance. Um, Marx would receive a very modest flat rate of one pound per article in these lengthy contributions. Um, it would fall to Marx's youngest daughter, Eleanor Marx Avelin, to collect the articles in the chief for. form first appeared in 1896 in a volume published entitled Revolution and Counter-Revolution, or Germany in 1848. Um, Each of the 19 articles were titled and appear as chapters. Uh, Basically, though, it's an account of what happened in Prussia, Austria, and other German states during 1848 describing the impact on both middle class and working class aspirations, and on the idea of German unification. Events in Austria and Prussia are discussed, along with the role of Poles and Czechs and Pan-Slavism, which Engels was against. It also uh, discussed the Cologne uh, communist trial, in which defendants were acquitted after some evidence was shown to include before maybe someday we'll do a piece on that book but as for the german revolution of 18 uh, revolutions and counter revolutions of 1848 1849 um, i think that pretty much covers it Um, but i mean really though it was all throughout europe So just as a bit of a uh, kind of recap, I guess, you know, the the groundwork of the uprising was laid back in 1932 or 1832, wow, sorry. When public unrest began to grow in the face of heavy taxation and political censorship, uh, activism for liberal reform spread through many German states each of which had distinct revolutions. They were also inspired by the street demonstrations of workers and artisans, like France uh, in February eighteen forty-eight, uh, which resulted in the abdication by King Louis Philippe of France and his exile in Britain. Uh, that became known as the February Revolution, and they they just spread from there. They erupted soon after in Austria, Germany, uh, beginning in March in Vienna. Uh, resulting in the resignation of Prince von Metternich as chief minister to Emperor Ferdinand I of Austria and his going into exile in Britain, uh, fearing the fate of Louis Philippe. Louis Philippe, sorry, some monarchs in Germany accepted some of the demands of the revolutionaries at least temporarily. In the South and West, large popular assemblies and mass demonstrations took place. They demanded freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, written constitutions, uh, arming of the people in a parliament. Um, And greater Poland technically was not a German state. the corresponding territory of the Grand Duchy of Posen had been under Prussian control since the first and second partition of Poland in the late 18th century. The Greater Poland Uprising of 1848, known as the Poznian oh, Uprising, uh, was an unsuccessful military insurrection of Polish troops under Ludwig Miroslawski against the Prussian force, uh, forces that began on. The 20th of March, 1848, resulted in Prussia annexing the greater Polish region as the province of Posen. There was a lot of backlash between monarchist forces, um, the falling apart of the uh, alliance between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie which ultimately led to its failure. Um, A lot of the successes were stripped away from 1849 to 1851, and uh, Germany's quest for a revolutionary spirit was never really fulfilled. so uh once again i just want to um let you know where you can find us we're on facebook we have our education and discussion group on facebook at for we are many two at for we are many podcast on both twitter and uh not twitter instagram and tiktok uh for we are many podcast on youtube and for we are many.org if you like what we're doing uh head up the page join us Um, If you're not able to contribute in that way, but you'd like to support us materially, um, we do have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash